The stage is dark, but the conversation is just beginning. Welcome to the Utah Symphony's Ghost Light Podcast, a behind-the-curtain look into the world of classical music and the artists who make it. I'm your host, Jeff Counts. I'm joined today by Caitlin Valovic moore She's the flute piccolo player, sorry, piccolo flute player for the Utah Symphony. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Great to have you here. Thank you. I'm well. So we know what the flute is, but let's talk about the piccolo because okay. I think that's the interesting part of what you do for a living. It's a very soloistic instrument, the piccolo. You're one of the instruments that has no place to hide when exactly. you're playing. So talk a little bit about the repertoire that features your instrument. What kind of pieces excite you when you see them on the schedule? Um, I think my the first composer that my mind goes to would be Shostakovich. Yeah, I, I, would, I thought you'd go there, yeah. Yeah. His symphonies, for one, sure. are dynamic and exciting, and he writes for the piccolo in such a way that even though you can be up in your very high third register, right. the way he balances it out, it's easy to play it, you feel comfortable, and he really knows how to make it pop. And yeah. then he also has the beautiful melodies that other composers don't always lend I'm so glad you're saying that. You know, I think of the piccolo, and the piccolo gets a lot of stuff like Tchaikovsky 4. Right. Quick little flourishes that, frankly, sound amazing. But Shostakovich writes these long, soaring, big moments for the piccolo. That must be what attracts you to him. I think so. Yes, because he does. He treats it like it's its own voice. Absolutely. uh, You know, with importance, and it's just exciting to play. It's great. It's not a sound effect. It's a voice. That's that's a nice way to put it, I think. Um, What else? Who else besides Shostakovich? Tchaikovsky for that flourish. That stuff kind of is well-known, and it's just fun to play. Sure. Other Russian composers like Stravinsky, Mm -hmm. and then Ravel. I would have to say as Absolutely. well. It's just beautiful for piccolo, but also flute. I mean, you just, the colors in there yeah. are just charming. I always think of Bartok a little bit too. Of course. I mean, yes. Concerto for Orchestra has some great stuff. Totally great. Yeah. Talking about the piccolo and the fact that it's uncommon, certainly in the way that Shostakovich uses it as a, as a real solo mm-hmm. voice, it's also uncommon as a concerto instrument, right? It doesn't yes. happen very often. Right. Certainly less common than the flute, and even, I'd say, less common than the other specialty instruments. Um, maybe not the contrabassoon. That probably happens a lot less. But people yeah. do write English horn concertos, and right. people do write bass clarinet pieces. So what's the history there? What are the important works from the piccolo canon? The most important works are the Vivaldi concertos, ah, mm-hmm. um, which were originally written for uh, the Sopranino recorder. Uh-huh. Um, so those are the ones that we learn the C major Generally both, mm-hmm. but pretty much uh, P79 is one of the numbers that it goes by. Yeah. That's the one that we all kind of have to know. So we, and we have two C majors and we have an A minor mm-hmm. by him. And then you have to uh, jump ahead into the 20th century. And then Lowell Lieberman, his piccolo concerto, would probably be the next biggest one that we have. And there's also like Martin Amlin has written a concerto for us and Bruce Broughton wrote one. Um, Bruce Broughton, really? Yep. Mm-hmm. He's done movie scores. Yes. yes. Interesting. Yeah. It's a nice work. Yeah. We don't have tons, but the ones that we do have are written fairly recently. I know that you recently had the honor of a concerto dedication and premiere. You recently yes. had a piece written for you. And We talked about the composer Simon Holt on the Mm -hmm. podcast before when Jason Harding was a guest of ours. And talk about the piece Simon Holt wrote for you in 2016. It's a a great honor, I'm sure. Oh, it's an incredible honor. It was such a fantastic thing to be a part of and just an honor to have the world premiere 
here um, with Maestro Fisher conducting yes. and accompanied my amazing colleagues and in Nova. It this was, was part of the Nova Chamber Music mm-hmm. Series, right? It was yes. a co-commission with the London Sinfonietta, but yes. Nova did the premiere. Yes, but Nova yeah. did the premiere. It's called A Fool is Hurt. It's a four-movement work, and it's so virtuosic for the piccolo. It's yeah. through the whole range. It's very technical, yet never ridiculous. And it's such a great new piece of repertoire that piccolo players have. I really hope that it becomes very well known. I, I want to I talk about what your colleagues think of it. We'll come back to that. But let's talk about the interaction that you had with Simon during the process. I know that this varies with composers and uh, instrumentalists, featured instrumentalists. So tell us about it. I mean, did he ask you questions? Did you get to see early drafts? Was it highly collaborative? Or were you just kind of like waiting like everybody else to see what he came up with? I pretty much was just waiting like everybody else to see what he came up That's with. That's interesting. Yeah, it was... It was a total chance encounter in the library at work yeah. when I saw Simon was up there and I just said, hey, you should write a work for Piccolo because I, I really <laughs> enjoyed his writing that he was in the orchestral works that we yeah. had done. That's how it happened? It was as simple as that? Yeah, it was as simple Amazing. as that. Amazing. And then um, I heard from him maybe a couple of weeks later and yeah. he said, well, okay, I've been thinking about this. Um, I'm thinking, you know, a a chamber concerto work, you know, a a chamber orchestra, kind of a solo piece for piccolo. Um, Yeah. That sounds cool. Yeah. Sure. That'd be awesome. (laughs) And then it just kind of started taking off from there. Kind of like an idea of kind of there. These are some of the, he talked about some of the um, instruments in the orchestra that he was thinking about. But pretty much other than that, you know, it was just. He, he just went he into his composing yeah, shack and did exactly. it, and you found out about it like everybody else. So yeah. when you approached him in that way, did you say, listen, Simon, you should write a piccolo concerto, and you should dedicate it to me? <laughs> or were you just hoping that would be the case? I think I was just hoping it <laughs> yeah. would be the case. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was just that moment of this person writes so beautifully for the instrument yeah. and is not scared of it and doesn't treat it like a joke. You know, he's there's these melodic lines. It's hard. It's fun. He, You know, yeah. this should be out there was this when he was here with the the saint vitus piece that we did or the one that was premiered the ellsworth i think this one? was ellsworth so the, the commission that the Utah yeah Symphony it was the did. second yeah. one yeah. okay so the second time he was here yeah so i'm curious what you felt about the results i mean i i was at the nova premiere and i found both the piece and your performance very compelling i was all in from go oh, how did you, you feel about it i mean what what's your reaction to the whole thing i was just blown away by it yeah honestly just the the range of it, I mean, of course, you know, the piccolo. Yes, sure. we know it's high. Sure. But just the way he incorporates the lower voices, right. contrabassoon, I thought that was fascinating. Bass, yeah. um, and then coupled with the percussion instruments. And so you have this color in there and it's yeah. it goes throughout the whole the whole range and the tonal palette of the orchestra in a tightly knit group. I really thought that that was compelling and just the writing it was it was intense and learning it. I mean, yes, it's difficult, um, but was I was it, really this, happy with it. Is this a challenging piece? I mean, yes, this, it yeah. really is. It's not just staying in one range and, you know, you're moving your fingers fast. It's fast and it's leaping throughout sure. several octaves and things sure. like that that are hard, I think, on any instrument. But piccolo, those leaps can get a little, sure. a little hairy. Sure. I was so privileged and honored to be a part of that. And just the audience reaction, it was 
is what we all want is performance. Well, super gratifying, you know? I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I yeah. I spoke over you a minute ago when you when you were saying you were happy with it, and I I think you should be. You were in top form that day, and I'm sure Simon was very pleased with the way you rendered his vision. I think he was. Yeah. I think he was, and it was just a privilege to be the first one to put that out there. Yeah. You know, I've enormous respect for the London Sinfonietta too. So it was just. You know, to have that group as partners. I think that's part of the honor of this whole process is having a prestigious institution like that sign yeah. on. I mean, this this little germ of an idea that I just now found out you brought up in our library just right. on a whim brought yeah. in the London Sinfonietta. Yeah. I mean, you made an international project out of this, Caitlin. It's so it's cool. really cool. So speaking of international and something I mentioned before, I'm curious what your colleagues are saying. Obviously, someone else played it in London, but mm-hmm. has anybody else showed any interest? And what's what's kind of the buzz about the piece? People are excited about it. I mm-hmm. think that now the thing is to get it out there right. more. Right. Um, find a way to kind of get more people hearing it. Sure. Because, yes, I think this is work that needs to be played. It probably needs to be recorded, too. Yes. Maybe that's a pro- Anybody listening to the Ghost Light podcast that wants to fund a recording <laughs> yes, with Caitlin? Yes, That would be wonderful. Please let us know. I think this needs to happen. And I, not only that, Caitlin, I think more people need to write you pieces because you are a consummate performer. And I think as a concerto artist, you need more opportunities. Well, thank you. It's such a privilege. Well... I, I, I was privileged things. to be there, and I was proud of little old Salt Lake City for having something big like this happen here. I thought it yeah, was great. Yeah, it was truly, yeah. I mean, the Nova took that on, Absolutely. too. It was such an honor. Well, Jason's been on the show before, and I think everybody who listened to that can understand the leadership he's got oh, and, and the kind of artist he is. And I mean, yes. if you don't live here, you maybe don't know the impact he's had on the town, but this this happened, I think... Mostly because of you, but he played a big part oh, in it, Oh, he played too. a huge, huge yeah. part of it. Him and Kimmy. I mean, yeah. yeah, words can't even begin to say thank you. Well, the community thanks you for bringing this new piece and letting us hear it first. And you were great in performance, and I can't wait to hear the next big thing for you. Yes. I have to get the wheels turning. Yeah, now that you've got this fearless ability to force international composers to do your bidding. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who's next? You need yes. to use that skill. So... I do have to ask you one more question, and it's a question we ask everybody on the Ghost Live podcast. If you've listened to us, you know this. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to know, Caitlin, if you've ever seen a ghost. Details, please. Oh, I wish I could say that I have. Yeah? I have not, unfortunately. Anything that you can, uh, that, that, that the only explanation for is paranormal? <laughs> I mean, we live in an old house. I suppose something could... Could still, happen at any moment. It could happen at <laughs> any moment, yes. Are you open to it? Are you open to the possibility of it? I mean, a lot of people, the first thing they say when I ask the question is, I don't, I don't really believe in ghosts, but this weird thing happened. I mean, where do you come down right. on that? I would like to think that there are spirits out there. My answer is always, I'm not nearly smart enough to say that there definitely isn't. Right. How can we be sure? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. We well, don't know. Let's take that as a message. And everybody in the listening audience knows that Caitlin, if she comes back to the show, is going to have something. She's going to keep a lookout. Oh, I will, for sure. Caitlin, thank you so much for being on the Ghost Light Podcast today. Thank you for having me. Richard Eggar leads the Utah Symphony in an evening of Bach, featuring flutist Mercedes Smith and violinist Madeline Adkins. March 24 and 25 at Abravanel Hall. For tickets starting at $21, visit utahsymphony.org. The Ghost Light Podcast is produced and edited by Chad Call. 
Utah Symphony Utah Opera season sponsor is the George S. and Dolores Dore Eccles Foundation.